Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. For those of you who are regular listeners, we've got another great show lined up. It's coming from the venue of Orlando, Florida. We're at this large convention where we've got a number of great people who are making a difference in Indian country and beyond. As we launch this show, it is no different. In our studio, in the convention area, you'll catch some of that ambiance from the, uh, the noise around us, is Terry Benedict. Terry is the founder of the Shea Foundation. Terry, I'm so glad you could be with us. Thank you for having me. Now, Terry, many of our listeners uh, know you and know your work. I think uh, perhaps most notably, at least what came on my radar screen and our family screen, is you did really a great uh, documentary film some years ago about a conscientious objector who received the Medal of Honor. What was that all about? Yeah, that was a, that's, that's kind of that one-of-a-kind story where um, a conscientious objector, this, this happened during World War II, uh, was the first uh, person to receive the military's highest honor, the Medal of Honor uh, uh, award. And, uh, you know, you can only get that award by being recommended by your peers. So it, it truly is an amazing story. And, in fact, um, we're in development right now for that to become a major motion picture. Oh, really? Tremendous, tremendous. Yeah. Well, I know you work in Hollywood, right? Right. So you're a filmmaker, but you're also the founder of this uh, Shea Foundation. We've featured Shea before because your partner is native, right? Right. And so we've talked about Shea. Gary was on the program probably a year or so ago. But you are doing things in Indian country and beyond. Tell us some of the exciting projects you're working on. Yes, well, you know, actually, uh, you know, I didn't have a television until I was 10 years old. Oh, really? That was by my parents' choice, so so that forced us to become voracious readers. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a history freak, to put it mildly, I suppose, especially about American history. Uh-huh. And, you know, as a boy, you grow up and you read all kinds of stories. Um, Last of the Mohicans was, you know, one of my favorites, as I remember growing up. And, you know, as a boy growing up, you kind of fantasize. I grew up as a cowboy, actually. Um, And you have perceptions, you know, there's all this revisionist history and, you know, all kinds of dynamics that go on. So, you know, when I became a storyteller and really started traveling, um, I... You know, I really came to see some of the realities. And so one of the things that happened when Gary and I met and we started the Shea Foundation was we started talking about ways that we could get involved with the um, Native American communities uh, domestically because I do a lot of traveling abroad, Mm -hmm. uh, working on projects as well. And, uh, you know, Shea is a creator-based organization. Um, You know, we believe that every child is born gifted with purpose Mm -hmm. and that it's a family's job to discover that giftedness, educators to develop and nurture that giftedness, and societies to value and accept that giftedness. Mm -hmm. And this, we believe, causes a lot of dysfunction in the world. Because people don't recognize that giftedness. Exactly. And so we find... A lot of people very unhappy because they grew up wanting to be something they're not. 
uh, you know, I, I've walked down this path. I grew up, uh, I'd take my dad's camera at the age of six and I'd get a, I'd get a spanking for it. <laughs> so, so I get in big trouble. So you were a filmmaker in your genes, huh? Well, you know, somewhere it was there. And, uh, you know, I grew up to be, as I got, became a teenager, you know, that, that reared its head again, you know, and my family and even educators were telling me, you know, Terry, you need to get a real job. Huh. You need to think about, you know, you, you score really well academically. You could be anything you want to be. Just don't be this because you can't make a living at it. So I think that too many times, and, and personally when I've met people who are in crisis, young people especially, and they, they, want, they feel they're called to do something, and, uh, uh, and they're being they're ex- these external forces, you know. Um, you know how when you... Uh, as a parent, you have a baby at the hospital, you get a care package, you know, and they put in formula and all this stuff. But they don't tell you this this magical thing that happens that when your baby is born, there are huge opportunities that we shouldn't just put, as much as I grew up playing baseball and that sort of thing, not put a glove in my son's hand because it turns out my son doesn't care for that. He likes rocks. Right. <laughs> so, um, so... You know, that has translated over to my travels, including in southwest, you know, parts of our, our country in the U.S. And I came across this school called the Holbrook School. Mm-hmm. And it's an Indian school uh, outside of Holbrook. And and uh, it's beautiful country. It's incredible photographic country. Uh-huh. Ansel Adams used to, uh, it was one of his fav- favorite places to, uh, to take photographs. And so um, part of Shea's core competency is um, producing uh, media for other organizations mm-hmm. because we mentor gifted artists and, uh, and nurture that creative spirit. That's what Shea is about. And so we really attract uh, a community that is very passionate about helping others. Uh, through their through the arts and through and that which includes the photographic arts mm-hmm. as well, and so we're going to be creating uh, we're going to have a photographic safari uh, outside of Holbrook in the Holbrook School, and uh, we really want to try to make a difference in that community's uh, in, in their lives there. So a photographic safari now maybe in the film and in the photography industry everyone knows what that is but bring us up to speed Terry what is that. Well, it's, it's a chance to um, document uh, whether, it's, whether it's event-driven or culture-driven, but it's really a chance to, story, to tell stories through imagery, and that's what we're about is storytelling. Uh, too many times we get caught up in factual things, and, and, and we're caught up in the multitasking of life, and we really forget about some of the simpler things in the essence of what life is really about. And one of the things that happens at the Holbrook School is is they really love to nurture the creative spirit. There's kids there doing incredible artwork and about their heritage and the traditions. And all of this can be easily lost with the distractions of, of, of life, whatever that may be. And so this is a way for, for us to come in and document these kids really experiencing what happens when their, uncre- their, their creative spirit is unleashed. And, 
and they just tell these amazing stories, including on in their pottery. Uh-huh. You know, they literally are telling a story, and 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 what they're engraving on that those pots. It's just as brilliant. I mean, I love it, and uh, I can't wait to get my camera on this stuff because it's just getting tight and telling these stories and these kids and where they come from, uh, their backgrounds. They're so interesting and colorful, and I just think it's magical. I, I really think that that we're missing out by not knowing their story. So you're going to have a number of uh, a number of folks there on site at the Holbrook Indian School outside of Holbrook, Arizona. They'll be photographing things. Will, will some of the students be involved in that process too? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they the school there has already has a photography class. Okay. They teach um, art, and uh, and so this is going to give a ki- the kids a chance to interact with pros and uh, and and people who are passionate about photography. And there's something that happens. There's plenty of science out there that says when you have a consistent art and culture curriculum in your school, your students will score higher in the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Whoa. So their academics go up when you have a consistent art and culture program. And this is part of the problem with the whole public school system, even even in the private school systems, when we only focus on what we call the high academics, you know, the three R's. But when we take art and culture and put it in there, it be it creates a more holistic environment so that you can actually learn the brain. There are things that happen neurologically mm-hmm. when we focus on the arts that take care of of and improve the academic um, outcomes with students. That is a, that's an exciting message, and we actually here at this very venue had the privilege of uh, interviewing Pam from uh, Holbrook, who teaches the pottery class. So I mean, those who've been tuning in to this series, they can immediately relate to what you're sharing, Terry. I'm excited because you're not just someone who talks about doing these projects in Indian country. I think the last time I had Gary on the show, he was telling us about a big project you did with Native youth in the Black Hills, if I'm remembering correctly. Does that sound right? Yeah, there's, um, there's a project that... that um, has gotten pushed a little bit just because I've been in Nepal. Um, I was, I'm doing a project on human trafficking, and mm-hmm. it's a very sad story over there. But, um, but one of the projects that we, we've started and we're ready now, we, it actually was a pilot, and so now we're ready to implement it, mm-hmm. is um, giving young people uh, in the Black Hills area um, cameras so that they can document what and how they live and in mm. the dynamics through their own eyes, through their own point of view. We call mm-hmm. it POV. And we all are, are not a, haven't been cookie-cuttered out. We all have an artistic bent. We just don't always acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. I can't really draw. That's what I used to say, and I still say that. But, uh-huh. but I had an art teacher actually put put the pencil or charcoal in my left hand because I'm right-handed. Uh-huh. And I started drawing with my non-dominant hand, and it was it was amazing that I could actually draw that way. Really? And, um, and so when we put cameras, people say, I'm the most uncreative person. That's not true. You know, it's just that we haven't, we haven't really tried discovering where our creative bents are. 
And so when we, when we, whether it's a piece of pottery or we stick a camera in, in, a, in a young person's hand, it's amazing what is going on in their brain and how it gets translated out. Mm -hmm. You know, what, it, we see what happens in pottery, but when you see imagery, it's like, what made them put the camera right here and take that photograph? And, and it, it, it really teaches critical thinking skills that translate over into, into life skill sets. Huh. That, that's, uh, that's really a fascinating window. And what's going to happen when all these photographers descend on Holbrook? They've got all these pictures. Do you take that and make it into some kind of a website, a DVD? What are your plans at, at Shea for uh, that material? Well, that's a great out. Uh, that's a great question because we we really believe in outcomes, and and part of outcomes is is product driven. Mm -hmm. um, we want Holbrook to succeed and and uh, expand their sustainability model, so that some of the things that will come out of it will be um, printed material. For instance, a coffee table type book, great. you know, which will have be high quality print material. So these photographs will really look great. There'll be uh, short stories in this product. That's that's what's exciting to me about finding out about these these young people's stories in their in their community because that's going to be in the book. Good. And um, uh, uh, it's really a, a chance to create new communication tools. Mm -hmm. So there'll be web media tools that will go on there. We're going to be filming behind the scenes so everybody on the safari. Will will have their own journey documented, and then the school itself will be able to use that as a tool. And then we're also on the second phase of things, uh, going to create some web media for them as well, Great. telling the Holbrook story th through that through that format as well. I mean, this sounds really exciting. The clock is uh, continuing to run. It seems like in this venue, Terry, it runs even faster than in other places. Yeah. And maybe it's because we're we're uh, interviewing so many great uh, guests. But before we leave, I can imagine that there are folks saying, boy, I'd love to be a part of this safari. I'd love to know more about Shea. Contact information, do you have that? Yeah, our website is Shea, S-H-A-E, S-H-A-E. And that's old Gaelic, actually. It means gifted and learned. Shea, S-H-A-E, foundation.org. Okay. And that's the best way to get a hold of us. And, um, and you can see kind of what we're about on the website. And there's also some media, including the, the human trafficking film that's 10 minutes long. Great. Terry, thanks so much. That's Terry Benedict, filmmaker, founder and CEO of the Shea Foundation, making a difference in Indian country and beyond. Thanks so much for joining us, Terry. We've got a lot more to come on today's edition of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Don't go away. A lot more to come. Stay tuned. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. Today's American Indian Living radio program is sponsored in part by Weimar Center of Health and Education. Located in the foothills of Northern California's Sierra Mountains, Weimar is home to the Residential New Start Lifestyle Program that helps people of all races address diabetes, heart disease, obesity, and related conditions. To further assist 
the Native Americans with their health. Weimar produces a wealth of free resources that can be accessed on their website at newstartclub.com. To learn more about how Weimar can change your life, you can call 1-800-525-9192. The number again is 1-800-525-9192. Or you can access them on the web at newstartclub.com. Again, that's newstartclub.com. Some important social statements by United States citizens today on policy. To be a good American, you've got to like people, share things, and not scream at people. And you should also help them, and then you can share at them. A statement on historical tradition and our form of government. I love America because, because it got government full of people and full of people. People. A statement on down-to-earth American idealism. I like living in America because it means freedom. It means that you can do most stuff you want as long as it doesn't like hurt anybody and, and you have to work hard to keep it. America, a statement in summary. I love America because everybody's equal. And when you play with other kids and they dunk you, you can dunk them back. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're talking together with leading people who are making a difference throughout Indian country and beyond at a venue called ASI. It's being held in Orlando, Florida. It's August of 2013 as we're recording these shows in a convention hall in this uh, very popular tourist destination. Across from me right now is Gerilyn. Gerilyn Fabian is uh, with Miracle Meadows. It's great to have you with us. Thank you. Now that is definitely a catchy name, Miracle Meadows. What's that all about? Yes, indeed. In fact, we like to say at Miracle Meadows, miracles happen every day. And um, Miracle Meadows is a school for at-risk youth. Uh-huh. We accept the students with at-risk behaviors who have difficulty functioning in a mainstream classroom environment okay. and many times when we say at risk individuals would ask well what is at risk at risk can be described as any behavior from truancy outrageous defiance disrespect to running away um, and many of our kids as well have had some serious traumatic history uh, which causes them to have a difficulty functioning without some level of intervention, and that's why we exist. Okay, so basically, in the old days, we might have called these uh, youth problem children, right? Yes. Today, we're, uh, no one's really a problem. Often, mm -hmm. they've been the victims of other people's problems, right? Yeah, I like to tell people sometimes that we are all at risk uh -huh. for one thing or the other. Um, our kids, many times, 
um, even in labeling them as at risk, we see so many strengths mm -hmm. that they possess. And our aim is just to redirect them so that the strengths will be stronger than the weaknesses and they'll be able to take advantage of, of those things that God has blessed them with. So people show up at Miracle Meadows. They're students. What age range? We accept students from age 8 to 17. Okay. Um, and there are times when we do make exceptions and go a little bit beyond 17, but we ask that the students be committed to wanting to come mm -hmm. because, you know, at that age, many students or many young people are thinking, I'm about to be an adult, and we don't mm. want for them to sabotage the year and waste an entire year before, you know, deciding that they want to change. Mm -hmm. So you're running a school there. It is a school. And do you run it as a typical school curriculum? It is not a typical school curriculum because if that were the case, then they would not need to come to us. We have a, an environment where high accountability and structure exists. Mm -hmm. And um, we teach our students social skills. So social skills is a high um, component of our, of our curriculum. We also teach the students, you know, coping strategies. In addition to the social skills, they get to practice that. We have a work education program. Oh, okay. So that basically means that we allow the students to participate in work, meaningful work, with the intention to teach them proper work ethics. And what we found is many times um, students come to us just lazy and not wanting to work and do anything. And in teaching them proper work ethics, it helps to strengthen the characters in other areas where they did not even realize they were able to function at such a level. Let's make it real practical, Geraldine. Let's say we have someone who is listening to this show. Mm -hmm. They say, my child has been through school after school. They had problems in the public school, they had challenges, we sent them to a private school, to private school after private school, different options, and nothing's working. They hear about Miracle Meadows. They're wondering just what a typical day might look like. Let's say their son is 14 years old, maybe he's a, a freshman in high school. What would happen? Okay, I'm glad you mentioned the fact that many of our kids who do come to us, they've been to so many schools, and I'll tell you what, they come to our schools, they don't want to be there. Mm -hmm. Many times they will not choose Miracle Meadows okay. because it's way out in the country, uh -huh. and so one of the first things they try to do is to get kicked out of our school, oh, wow. and they find out that there's nothing you can do to get kicked out of Miracle Meadows, absolutely nothing to get kicked out. And they usually try. Really? I mean, they've they tried to burn the school oh down? Oh, yeah. We actually had a student who tried to do that. Oh, really? Um, tried, to, tried to do extreme things like that, run away, uh -huh. um, you know, very overt behaviors that usually tend to push people away. Uh -huh. And our staff have been trained to respond to those things without an alarmed response. And um, our students eventually discover, some of them after numerous tries, uh -huh. uh, numerous attempts, they discover that there's really nothing they can do to get kicked out, which usually gets them to the point where they realize, okay, I need to do what I have to do in order to grow and move on from this program instead of trying to get out the easy way as they have done in other situations. Huh. <laughs> so a typical day would involve, you know, 
in, in without going into all the details right, the students right. get up in the morning and they do their chores we have morning devotions um they have you know their meals and we accept both genders so our students have a separate program while the boys are in school the girls are working and vice versa um and so they spend about 3 hours in work education we have um overlap block in the afternoon where we do social skills training sometimes okay. we do something that we call house councils or at times we call them campus councils where we deal with issues in a very open setting uh -huh. there are times when we do so in a private setting depending on the sensitivity but many of our kids have struggled with similar issues mm -hmm. so instead of dealing with it in isolation it's a very open setting where we discuss issues openly the kids learn to use their experience to share with others to help them to grow they learn to hold each other accountable because they have been through the same issues um and they learn to grow and be open and candid just you know with the intention of helping somebody else and many times they take that attitude outside when they have moved on from miracle meadows and you know society is not too open when it comes to sharing your issues mm -hmm. and so they take they take something out to society that is very rare and many times they call us and they say you know i use my social skills at this new school or in my mm. workplace and people just did not understand what I was doing uh -huh. you know so that that has been very rewarding very good people are listening to the show and uh, Geraldine I think some of them are probably saying wow this sounds like the exact kind of school that could help some students that I know mm -hmm. One of their first questions is, where is this out-of-the-way place? Okay. It's located in Salem, West Virginia. Okay. Um, and, <laughs> you know, many times when we have people asking, okay, can I plug this address into the GPS or into MapQuest? Mm -hmm. um, many times it will be difficult to, to get a direct address for our school, though we do have an address, 99 Miracle Meadows Drive, Salem, West Virginia. Um, most people will find our address or find the school just by entering Buffalo Calf Road. Oh, okay. That will give you an idea as to how country it really is. <laughs> well, that's, that's, but that sounds really uh, Native American friendly. Buffalo Calf Road, huh? Correct. Okay. Um, I forgot to mention something, you know, I mentioned that we have kids that come to us from as young as eight. Actually, there was one time we took a seven-year-old who had extreme behaviors. And I get this question many times, why would someone send a seven or an eight-year-old all the way to West Virginia? And my, my response, sorry, is usually, um, you know, we really support our parents. And we really really support our parents and we acknowledge that for someone to get to the point where they do want to send their their child away and pay the money to get the help then the behavior has to be significantly um serious for them to do so so we always acknowledge the fact that our parents are really supportive and they really want the best for their kids we do have um, some kids some of them have been adopted or they've been like I mentioned earlier to some serious traumatic issues okay. and um, trauma could be anything from um, physical to sexual abuse trauma could be anything from 
um, numerous foster placements. Mm. Um, we have kids who've been through more than 25 foster placements. 25 or more, wow. 25. And um, I actually have one of our students who remembers at least 15 of them. And he can describe the differences between the homes, mm. describe some of the abuse that has taken place in some of those homes. Wow. And so that in itself is trauma. I mean, I don't know how many adults could handle that. And we do have some kids who've been through so many. Um, and as well as some kids who've been adopted from foreign countries. And so the traumatic experience from having to leave that traumatic, exp that, that exposure from an orphanage in some situations uh -huh. for some of them it's leaving their immediate families to go to an orphanage to leave their country to mm. um something that they're used to the food the culture everything right, right. being used to being uh self-sufficient as young as eight nine wow. and then moving to the united states and living with a family a, a family who um is very different in culture and everything okay so those are some of the experiences that we've had with some kids. We've got to slip away for a moment. Geraldine is not going away. Don't you go away either. Some amazing success stories and lessons that you can apply in your own community, whether or not you ever show up on the campus of Miracle Meadows. I'm Dr. David DeRose. You're listening to American Indian Living. We'll be back with more in just a couple of minutes. Stay tuned. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. America's veterans have served our country in both war and peace. It's because of people like you that we are free. My class was learning about war and how hard it is. I wanted to do something to let them know how I feel. Now there is a way to thank them for helping keep America free. Log on to thankyouveterans.org and type a personal message of thanks. Dear Dad, I've recently come to understand how important your service to America was, and I just wanted to say thank you. There are 26 million veterans living in America today, from World War II to Afghanistan and Iraq. We carry our experiences inside. It's nice to have someone say thanks. Let a veteran know you appreciate their service. Log on to thankyouveterans.org, a public service of Paralyzed Veterans of America. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. Dr. David DeRose in a convention venue here in Orlando, Florida. With me again for this segment, at least as we launch it, is Gerilyn Fabian. She's the Director of Student Life Development at Miracle Meadows School in Salem, West Virginia. And Gerilyn, you were telling us about this great vision. I was inspired hearing about the kind of vision you have. Every student who comes there they're going to succeed. Isn't that your approach? That's our aim. That's our approach. Tell us some of the stories. Okay. I mean, I've had so many stories that I could share. Um, one 
recent story which comes to mind is a child adopted from a foreign country. I'll not name where the country mm-hmm. is. But in that country, um, if you, if you get out of the system, um, by the age of five as a female and you're still alive, um, that's, that's a success. Wow. And so for that child, she was adopted when she was five years old by an American couple. And, um, she, I would say this much, she was Asian and, um, she was adopted by a Caucasian family and she moved to the United States when she was five years old and her behavior was just out of control. Wow. And most people think, you know, if I just love them and just give them all the care, uh-huh. everything will be okay. And they did that and it did not work. Wow. They brought her to psychologists, to various therapists, and um, they actually had a particular therapist say she will never succeed. Mm. And they actually had another therapist say that she meets the description of a sociopath at five years old. <laughs> five years old. At five years old, um, her her method of thinking was not very typical, and they could not understand uh, what was going on with her. And um, eventually, they found out that she had been through so many traumatic experiences while at the orphanage: mm-hmm. sexual abuse, oh, um, physical abuse. Um, in addition to that, she had a physical deformity that r- was scorned by people in that country. And once, you know, they decided that she needed to get outside help, they brought her to Miracle Meadows. And once she came to us, you know, her aim was to just fight off that love. It was just mm-hmm. too much to bear. Mm-hmm. Um, many people think love. You know, for a child, is just hugging them, telling mm-hmm. them, I love you, giving them everything that they need. For these kids who have learned that the people who are supposed to be in their life did not do that, they've learned to survive, they've learned to take care of themselves. For these kids, love is showing them that I'm big enough to take care of you. I'm big enough to take care of your needs. I'm big enough to be responsible and have you be accountable to me. Mm-hmm. It's providing structure mm-hmm. that they fight. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's providing um, a, an authority figure who's going to hold them accountable, mm-hmm. be very firm with them, okay. but at the same time show them that it can come with that love that everybody else sees. So providing their needs, hugging them, loving them, giving them consequences when they do wrong, Mm -hmm. which is something that they're not used to if they've been so self-sufficient. You know, they've been in survival mode for most of their life. And that was the situation with this child. She fought and fought and fought for quite some time. And um, a few months ago, started softening up. Hmm. You know, at first she did not want to speak to her mom. She had so much anger. Hmm. She said, you know what? I'm just going to stay here until I'm 18. She came to us when she was 10. She said, I'm going to stay here until I'm 18. Because she was so resistant to having them in her life. Because her parents did provide that love and structure and Uh accountability Uh that she so resisted. And um, I'm so happy to say that, you know, I know it's, it's not by her own power or our own power, but she was able to get to that point where she said, I just, I want my mom's love in my life. Wow. wow. And so that's just one of the many stories. That's that, tremendous. That's very tremendous.
Well, we have got such an amazing lineup of guests here. I'm so glad you stayed by for this segment, but Thank we've got you. someone else who's going to jump in, All right. uh, kind of right in the middle uh, of the stream here, if you will. But, Geraldine, before we, uh, we bring another guest onto American Indian Living, I think there are folks uh, throughout Indian country who are interested. Do they have to be within driving distance of West Virginia to come to the program? Actually, no. We have kids from all over the United States, all over. We've actually had a few foreign kids as well. Okay. But predominantly the United States. Um, as far east as New York and Boston, so as far west as California, Oregon, Washington State. Oh, okay. Um, as far south as Florida. <laughs> uh -huh. I don't know the northern states too well. <laughs> okay, fair enough. We, we, won't, we won't hold you to that. But, um, yeah, they could come from all over. Great, great. So they come from anywhere, and can they come from any uh, ethnic background? Any ethnic background. Okay, so Native American, Caucasian, African American, Hispanic, okay. They're all welcome. Our campus is actually a melting pot for diversity. <laughs> okay, well, tremendous. We're so glad that you took time out of your program again. Give us your contact information once more. Okay, um, as I mentioned earlier, we are in Salem, West Virginia, and the address is 99 Miracle Meadows Drive, and that's located in Salem, West Virginia. The zip code is 26426, and uh, we can be contacted by phone 304-782-3628 or 304-782-3630. Let's do this. Let's stick with one number. Give, give, us, give us one of those again. Okay. Primary number 304-782-3630. It's 304-782-3630. Geraldine, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. We have got our second guest in this segment sitting across from me right now. She is Norma Nashed. She is the president and founder of Restore a Child. Norma, it's great to have you with us. Thank you for uh, taking time to talk to me. Well, it's great to have you. I just wish we had longer segments because you've got a lot of great material and we've just got a short time. Tell us what Restore a Child is all about. Restore a Child is a ministry for orphans mm -hmm. because in the Bible, uh, God repeatedly told us to take care of orphans. In Isaiah 1, 17, it says, do good, seek justice, and defend orphans. Hmm. In Psalms 82.3, it also says defend orphans. In James 1.27, what does it say? The pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is to take care of orphans and widows. This is a tremendous message. So you're sharing from a Christian perspective, of course. Yes. People throughout Indian country, whether they're Christian or not, they relate to this, caring for those who don't have parents. Powerful message. What are you doing? What is Restore a Child doing in this line? What we do, we, uh, we try to provide homes for orphans mm -hmm. when we can. And uh, their basic needs, which is what Jesus said, I was hungry, so we feed them. I was naked, we clothe them. I was thirsty, we dig wells to provide clean drinking water. And I was sick. We provide for their medical needs. And then Jesus said, go teach. Hmm. So we teach them through the education. We build schools. We send them, we give them quality education mm -hmm. and a future for them when they have no future. Tremendous. So Norma, are you primarily working outside of the United States? 
Yes, we do help in Washington D.C. Mm -hmm. It's a home for uh, uh, the children who are, uh, you know, in foster care. Okay. And when they are sick and leave the hospital, they have no place to go to. Mm. So we provide some help there. And before, I used to do a lot for the uh, children in the USA. Okay. But it has grown so much overseas and here that I cannot handle all. Okay. So we focus on the international. Because here, government helps, churches help, people help. Mm -hmm. Out there, there is no one helps. And the kids are on the streets, abused and become criminals. Uh -huh. But if we take them off the streets, we become a safer country here. Mm. Because otherwise, they'll be targets to terrorists and uh, criminals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the more we help children off the streets, the better we are as a country and also the safer the world. And we are doing something for their eternity. Well, I appreciate the message you're giving because this resonates throughout Indian country and beyond. What you're saying is get in touch with that traditional native value, which is also a Christian value, and that's take care of children, especially the needy ones. And you say, look, it, even if you, you don't have native roots, you're not a Christian, you don't belong to any religious group, this is just good politics. Isn't that what you're saying? Yes, this is important in all religions. Muslims, Hindu, whatever, they all advocate the care for orphans. So it's, in, it's just God gave it to us in our human being. And we are planning to do something for the Native Americans soon, hopefully. Oh, wonderful. Good. So I know I, I saw you in this very venue talking with one of the leaders of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in working for Native youth. And I'm assuming that you're discussing things. Yes, yes. yes we're, we're now working uh, with somebody from Southern Adventist University. Uh -huh. and also your ministry and our ministry, we want to do something for the children and of, of the Navajo because we are about children. We want their, you know, their good in life here and life eternity, but for now, they need help. Okay, well, I know we've got uh, listeners from all kind of tribal affiliations. I know that we do have a lot of Navajo listeners, yes. and they'll be excited because there's needs in every tribe, and, of course, there's needs in every community, aren't there? Yes, everywhere. But I appreciate your vision. Norma, if someone wants to learn more about what you're doing, they want to be involved in some way, do you allow people to be involved, or is this just your project? Of course. <laughs> we have uh, 4,000 children who are helping in 15 countries. Wow. So we need help. And uh, we have a website that we, people can go to. It's www.restoreachild.org. Okay, restoreachild.org. Yes. If they go there, they can learn more about all the places where you're working. Yes. All the different options. Is there opportunities if someone says, you know, I'm between jobs right now and I'm really uh, wondering, can I get involved doing something? I don't have much in the way of finances, but can I help in some way? Are there opportunities like that? Yes, we, you know, we take people on mission trips. So we, now we are trying to build a school in Haiti. Okay. So we need people to go with us when we go to do construction and so on. We do have, and we, we need people in agriculture. There are need, there are, there is work for everybody to do. Now, agriculture, I yes. mean, that's not an immediate connection I would make. So you have farms in connection with these projects? Because, you know, it's feeding food. I was hungry. Ah, so we, uh -huh. we, we planted last month 800 fruit and nut trees in Haiti. Wow. In, in, near our school where we are building the school because they need to eat. Uh -huh. And eventually they can sell the extra 
to generate income. Excellent. And hopefully when we grow more, we can dehydrate the fruits and export them to the U.S. Because Haiti is two hours from Miami. Huh. It's close by. So, so you're a woman who's not just trying to help in the short term. You're looking at sustainable projects for the long term. Sustainable is the word. This is exciting. Yes. And you want to do some of the same work in, in Indian country where you have partners. Yes, yes. Great. Well, let me give you that contact information again. Uh, Norma Nashed. Am I pronouncing your last name right? Nashed. Nashed. Am I closer? Correct. And that's, uh, she's the president at Restore a Child. So the website is restoreachild.org. Yes. Norma, thank you again so much for sharing your vision with us. We have to slip away, but we've got another great guest coming up to wind up today's show on American Indian Living. You don't want to miss a final segment. We are coming to you from the convention center in Orlando, Florida, and you don't want to miss our last interview. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We will be right back. Stay tuned for more. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. Today's American Indian Living Radio program is sponsored in part by Weimar Center of Health and Education. Located in the foothills of Northern California's Sierra Mountains, Weimar is home to the residential New Start lifestyle program that helps people of all races address diabetes, heart disease, obesity, and related conditions. To further assist Native Americans with their health, Weimar produces a wealth of free resources that can be accessed on their website at newstartclub.com. To learn more about how Weimar can change your life, you can call 1-800-525-9192. The number again is 1-800-525-9192. Or you can access them on the web at newstartclub.com. Again, that's newstartclub.com. of steel, with incomparable courage, with fierce determination, with uncompromising resolve, the men and women of the United States Armed Forces go forth. And wherever and whenever they go, the USO will be there to touch their spirit, to comfort them, to remind them, to simply and heartfully thank them for the extraordinary gift they give us all. Until every brow is soothed and every hand is held, until every battle's won and every song is sung, until everyone comes home. Find out more about the USO and how you can help at uso.org. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. 
Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. Dr. David DeRose here. I've got another great guest in our virtual studio in Orlando, Florida. We're pre-recording this show in August of 2013. Sitting across from me is Matt Dooley. Matt, it's great to have you with me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Matt, you are working with another uh, exciting program uh, called Eden Valley Institute. Correct. Tell us what that's all about. Well, Eden Valley Institute is a, uh, it's many things, but we uh, have a lifestyle program there on campus. We're located in beautiful Colorado, uh, about an hour north of, of Denver. And like I said, we have a lifestyle program. This is where guests come in from all over the country, even internationally. We have people come from all over the world. And what we do is we really educate them uh, to make simple lifestyle changes, um, yet I mean, very powerful and effective changes that, that we can uh, implement in those. So we educate them in that. Um, our program also, uh, we, we do a lot of juicing, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, very, very delicious uh, natural foods that we, that we, that we give. We do, uh, other treatments, natural treatments like hydrotherapy, massage, and we have hyperbaric chambers that, that people, people go in. Now, hyperbaric chamber, that may not be, uh, household language to all my listeners. What is that all about? <laughs> right. Well, uh, if, let me tell you, doctor, that, uh, if you're claustrophobic, you do not want to get in one of those things, but it's very, <laughs> we found them to be very effective. But basically it is, uh, um, how to describe it? It's a, it's a white tube. There are windows in it. It's made out of plastic and it, it gets inflated with air and it basically, uh, it's a, it's like a pressure, pressure tube that simulates being, uh, being in pressure under, underwater. I forget. I think it's around 10 to 12 feet. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we also hook up the, the guests to to an oxygen as they're as they're uh, in there, and they, they usually are in there for about an hour. So that's one of the treatments that we that we do as well. Um, now that's one part of Eden Valley. The other part of Eden Valley is we have a uh, a pesti pesticide and herbicide free farm. Okay. There on Gemis, where we grow a lot of vegetables as natural as possible. We grow a lot of of fruits. Uh -huh. uh, so what we do with that is we use that to sustain our, our lifestyle program. So you're getting farm fresh produce. Oh, tremendous. Uh, right for the program, that's the kind of food. So you know that it hasn't been picked weeks before, uh -huh. hasn't been uh, on a container <laughs> traveling thousands of miles. Right, it's it's right. picked right there, and, and you eat it almost immediately. So you know that you get a lot of the, the, the beneficial nutrients and vitamins that you know, and, and the valuable properties that you wouldn't get if you, you know, pick it when it's not ripe. So, yeah, they sustain the lifestyle program. And, uh, but we also, uh, in our local community, we go to the uh, local farmer's market and, and sell it as well to help sustain the institution and, and generate revenue for our, our institution there. Uh, the, the third part of our program, or Eden Valley Institute, um, is an education department. Now, that's actually where I, I work. I'm the head of the education department, the education director. And what we do is we have students that come from all around the country. Okay. And they come to get trained how to 
uh, work in their communities to do healthy living classes, mm-hmm. uh, to, to hold on uh, many public events like health expos. So this would be a, a health expo would be like a health screening where you do blood pressure checks and blood sugar checks, something like that? Right, exactly. Yeah, many people can come from the community and, and, and basically learn a little bit about a healthy lifestyle and to also assess their situation. You know, where are they at on, 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 their, on their lifestyle? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, what can they do to improve uh, on, on their, their lifestyle. And obviously, you know, you improve your lifestyle, you're going to improve your quality of life. So that's what a health expo is. We do like uh, healthful cooking classes, mm-hmm. you know, to teach people how to prepare meal, meals in a, in a more healthful manner. Uh, so we do programs like that and, and many other things as well. But uh, one thing that we do is we train our, our, our students to, to do personal wellness coaching or personal health coaching. Oh, great. And so they, they go out in the community and they, they really work with people one-on-one uh, to, to help them implement and, and, and to develop strategies to improve their life mm-hmm. and, and particularly health. But we, we do focus on... Uh, not only the physical health, but mental health and, and spiritual health and how, how to work with people to, to improve their life in, in these areas. So basically, you're running a very comprehensive program, your team there at Eden Valley Institute. You're there in Colorado in the greater Denver area, if you will. Right. And you've got a health treatment center. You've got an organic farm. You've got the educational opportunities. Mm-hmm. If someone is, is tuning into today's show and you have a, a special role there, Matt, as the director and, uh, in that uh, educational arena, someone says, wow, this sounds great. I always wanted to be a health coach. What does this training look like? I mean, is it a four-year college-level training? Is it a shorter, more streamlined program? Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, we have a five-month program. Uh, the students come for five months. It is uh, an intensive program. We have class time uh, where we sit half a day in class and then the, the other half is really geared toward putting it in, into practice. Okay. And the biggest thing that I, I find is and the, the strategy that we try to develop it at Eden Valley, particularly with the education program, is how do we make the information practical? How, how do we make it to where somebody can hear this information and how do we help people implement the information because as we work out in the community I find that is that is the biggest factor is and that's where we try to engage people at um, our, our wellness coaches our students mm-hmm. is to engage people on the level uh, where they can really help to implement strategies and to set up goals with people and to set up uh, you know, steps to reach your goals and, and, and what is my vision? What, where do I want to be uh, in my health journey? And so we really try to, with education, try to train, train people that engage people on that kind of level. This is, a, this is a great message because I find the same thing as a physician. Right. Many times people tell me they know what they need to do, but they're not doing it. Right. And you're really coaches, your motivators, your training, your students to be involved. Someone goes through this five-month training. Is it hard for them to find a job, or do you find that most of your 
uh, trainees move right into utilizing these skills? There are opportunities to use this, I mean, anywhere you go. Whether, whether or not you get compensated is another thing, but if you look at, uh, look at it from the simple point of uh, ministering to people, ben- being, a, being a, a, a benefit to humanity, mm-hmm. being a benefit to your neighbors, to your family, I mean, you, this kind of training, what we're doing is helping people have a, a, a better life, a better quality of life. Uh, we're training and, and helping people to live longer, to to have uh, to feel better, and and so you know that that can be used anywhere you go. No, I mean that's a great message because I know a lot of people in Indian country, they see the needs around them, they don't know what to what what they can do to contribute, and you're right. really empowering people to have the skills, the knowledge to be able to make a difference, aren't you? Right, right, yeah. And what I found in my own personal experience is that. Um, and I, and I think about uh, many of the great accomplishments in in this world, many of the great accomplishments that w- that we've seen um, with landing on the moon. It takes a plan and a strategy to get there. If you want a, your way to wellness, you got a plan. You got to make a strategy to reach it. Matt, a lot of great information. We've got to wind up. We're in our uh, our final segment here, but I know there's people who've been excited about what you're doing, whether it's the treatment program there, whether it's the educational program, whether it's the organic farm. Can you tell us how we can get more information about what you guys are doing? Uh, Yes. Uh, I think the primary source of information, you can go to our website. It's uh, www.eden-valley.org. And we have all of our different departments and what we do there. Um, also, if you want to contact me personally, if you're interested in the education program, you can contact me at uh, 970-215-0223 or send an email, education at eden-valley.org. Okay, that's Matt Dooley. I'll give you that uh, information if you've been uh, trying to get it down quickly. 970-215-0223 is the phone number, eden-valley.org. Right. Listen, it's been another great journey. Matt, thank you for joining us. We've had a lot of great guests. You're a great way to wind up today's show. Yes, thanks for having me. Hopefully today's edition of American Indian Living has given you some insights into what you can do to live a healthier life, to make a bigger difference in your own community, to make a bigger difference in the world. For all of us with American Indian Living, I'm Dr. David DeRose, wishing you the very best of health. This is Life Talk Radio.